Listen now to the tales, the legends, and the true stories. For time is but a human construct, and it knows no bounds. For the paranormal and unexplained, it is always horror time. Ben, wake up. Wake up. What? Fuck. No, we got to go. We got to go. We, we slept in. Oh, my God. Are we going to make it? Shit, shit, shit. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just grab your bags. Grab the keys. Let's go. All right. Don't worry about too much. I got tickets on the phone. We got expedited security. We should get through this quick, so we should still be good. <laughs> Dude, we will make it, but gotta ease on the lead foot. We're gonna get pulled over or worse, end up in a ditch. Alright, alright. See, we made it with time to spare. Now let's check our flight to make sure that everything's still good. No freaking way! <laughs> it's delayed. I had a feeling. Well, let's see what they say at the counter. Yes, how can I help you? Yeah, just trying to see how long this might take or if we can get on another flight. Like anything you could do for us? Or we're trying to get to Vegas. <sighs> Sir, we aren't sure. There's a mechanical issue with the plane, and they're trying to resolve the issue ASAP, I assure you. Shit. Well, what about another airline? Oh. Actually, something just opened up on Sense Airlines Flight 370. And even better news, you're upgraded to first class. It looks like it leaves out of gate 13... But you will have to hurry. I will let them know that the two of you are on your way. Oh, Ben, there it is. Quick. <sighs> well, hopefully we're done jumping through hoops. Let's just get there and have some fun. <gasps> Dude, you good? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just a, just a crazy dream. From the look on your face, it wasn't too good. We're about to land. We are on the final approach to Harry Reid International. On behalf of Sense Airlines, welcome to Las Vegas. We would also like to thank you for flying with us here on Flight 370. And hope you choose Sense Airlines again, where we always guarantee a sense of comfort. What should we try first? Well, I do love blackjack, but for some reason, I'm feeling the roulette wheel calling my name. Feel it in my gut. You sure you don't got a poo? 
I could go for some money on Red 30. Let's do it. Oh, Jesus, Ben. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> all right, this table, this one. Hey, Ben, let me put a bet down first, okay? I'm going to test the waters. Huh? That's dumb. Come on, I'm betting two. Trust me, trust me. Look, um... Yeah, uh, $50 on red six. Bets are closed. And the winner, red six. Holy shit, nice. Now, make your bet, but not too much, do you understand? Well, obviously. 500 on red 30, my good man. Another winner! Congratulations! Let's go! Jesse, what's the next magic number, man? Come on, come on! Ben, Ben! Settle down, okay? Uh, okay, we can do one more bet, but we need to stop after that. Uh, you, you see that guy in the suit over there? That's, that's the pit boss, okay? And you're giving off way too much excitement. Drawing way too much attention our way. Okay, um... Do... Black 13. Dude, you're being paranoid. My man put half of my winnings on Black 13. Dude, I said low profile. Too late. <laughs> Alright, bets are closed. Red 13. Congratulations, sir. Ben, 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 he's coming. Grab your winnings, let's go. Cash out now. Dude, come on, we're on a streak. What? What's going on? Could have stayed for a little longer, at least. Uh, it's gonna sound ridiculous, but my dream on the plane, it, it's coming true. I don't know, it's like a big deja vu or something. Uh, no matter what I do, everything, it's, it's happening. So, what happened after we won? Let's let's not worry about that. It, it won't happen. I'll make sure of that. Well, let's, let's do something rash. Break the chain. Come on, this way. No, no, not that way. Holt, you two are coming with me. Yes, I got the two. We are headed back now. Why? What, what did we do? The fuck is your deal, big guy? So you're gonna fill me in, Nostradamus? Talk to me, bro. Don't bother, Ben. It's too late. Today's top story, two young brothers got sucked into Sin City, only to disappear. Is this foul play, or just a couple of college kids sleeping off a bender? Join us at 11 for the latest. Hello, horror fans, and welcome to Horror Time. I'm Timekeeper Matt. I'm Timekeeper Pat. And today we are talking about premonitions. So how are you, Pat? 
I'm doing fine on this Sunday. How are you? Doing or, pretty good. Doing pretty good. <laughs> Whatever day it is. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> yes, that day. But when this is released, it'll be a Wednesday. So happy Wednesday, everyone. <laughs> happy middle of the week. But anyway, so I'd like to just kind of, well, maybe a little bit uh, insensitive to say dive right into this. But um, I would like to get right into this. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so um, we all are very um, familiar with the uh, story, the tragic story of the Titanic, um, you know, through history and pop culture and all of that. But um, what many may not know is that there were accounts of very odd premonitions and predictions, seemingly predictions, of the fateful night. So I'm going to go over a few here. So the first um, is a, a book called Futility. So Futility was written by Morgan Robertson 14 years prior to the sinking of the RMS Titanic. However, despite being steeped in fiction, the book's plot eerily resembles the real maritime disaster in 1912. It tells the story of the largest luxury liner in the world, which in the book is called the Titan, which sank into the North Atlantic Ocean following a collision with an iceberg. Morgan Robertson stated that he did not possess any psychic abilities as the novel was based on his knowledge of shipbuilding trends and understanding of the dangers of modern ships. Yet, the similarities are more than a little uncanny. After all, both the fictional and real liners were believed to be practically unsinkable, and they were both the same size at roughly 270 meters long were capable of reaching speeds of 20 knots and featured a barely legal number of lifeboats. What's more, they both sank 400 nautical miles away from Newfoundland, Canada, on an April evening. So that's pretty crazy. Um, very interesting, the, the, the similarities that rise up in both. Um, but you do kind of have to think that I guess you just put yourself in the, the mindset of the people from that time. Like you said, he had knowledge of shipbuilding. I mean, what else would be, of course your biggest fear as a shipbuilder would be it eventually sinking. Um, and I'm, mm-hmm. I assume icebergs are, you know, a threat, especially back then with, you know, raid, no radar and all of that. Oof. So to think it's a premonition, I don't know. Do you buy this as really a prediction or a premonition? I don't know if I do. I mean, I could see possibly someone uh, reading the book and saying, well, we could big- build a ship like this. And yeah, just that's not, true. You know, and just yeah, coincidentally. Especially a whole 15 years, 14 years somehow earlier. Somehow it, it actually came to fruition. Right. But... um I don't know. It's just, I mean, it could be just a weird quinky dink. It's true. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> I always, I mean, even how, I don't know. Maybe you'll, you'll get to it. So I'll, I'll save that to me. Well, no, what was your question? Maybe I won't. Um, I was just going to say like, 
how big is the iceberg? Because I've always wondered, like, how, even without radar, like, if you still have, like, some sort of lookout, or did they not? You know, I don't know, and I did not include that in this. Um, I don't know how big it was. I can't remember from readings or anything like that. Like, I mean, obviously, it wasn't very visible without binoculars. Because there is a... um, the the binocular the binoculars were actually like not in the ship i from what i recall that was one of the reasons why that there was or the key was taken okay. if i recall correctly it was one of those things where like that was one of the things that added to it that they weren't able to be to see it um if i recall correctly because Sorry. of one of those reasons but you know obviously it's a lot different you know, over, I mean, it's over, over a hundred years ago at this point. So. Yeah. Cause I've always wondered that myself. I'm just like. <laughs> Next one. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I don't know. All right. So do you have any more questions about that one? Uh, shoot. Nope. I don't think so. We're good. Okay. Perfect. All right. So the next one, Edith Corse Evans was a first class passenger on the RMS Titanic who was returning to New York following a trip to Europe to visit her cousins in Paris, France. She traveled alongside a group of sisters, Mrs. John Murray Brown, Mrs. E.D. Appleton, and Mrs. R.C. Cornell, who became acquainted with Colonel Archibald Gracie. What an old time yes. name. <laughs> um, <laughs> when the Titanic struck the iceberg, the men aboard the ship attempted to reassure the ladies that the vessel was unsinkable. However, Edith told Colonel Gracie that a fortune teller had once told her to be aware of water, and she was convinced that there was truth behind the prophecy. Despite the warning, varying accounts stated Edith gave up her seat in a lifeboat for one of the sisters she was traveling with, as her friend had children waiting for her at home. She was one of the four first-class female passengers to die in the disaster. One, what a selfless act. I mean, that's that's amazing if that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. You know, that's, that's crazy. A very selfless act. Um, secondly, beware of water can mean all, oh, <laughs> a whole lot of broad. things. Don't go into the pool. Don't go into the bathtub. Yeah, like just because a fortune teller <laughs> said beware of water, well, water is a pretty common thing on the planet mm-hmm. Earth. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be like, oh, this is it. This is why. How dare but, you, you bring know, water in this house? <laughs> no, I can't. The fortune teller told me no. <laughs> So I don't know. I don't fortune tellers in general are, I I don't know if I can, I don't know. I have a lot of varying opinions on the fortune teller, but a lot of them I just feel are just kind of really broadly guess stuff. And then people just are, I mean, I've never gone to a fortune teller. Have you? I've not. Me and my friends when we, when I lived with them, over in Binghamton, we were going to go to one that was like close to our house, but I was like, I didn't want to, <clears throat> I didn't want to go in and have her think that I was being an ass because I wasn't, you know, I would sit there and listen and see, cause I, you know, I wanted to experience it at least, but like, right. I'm not gonna 
freaking dive into it and be like, no, I'm, (laughs) I'm a, I'm a Pharaoh reborn or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? But (laughs) (laughs) you're a Pharaoh reborn. Oh man. All right. So um, if we don't have any more questions about that, let's go on to my next one. Okay. So um, the Hart family, the Hart family were traveling aboard the RMS Titanic as second class passengers, and they were planning to start a new life in Winnipeg, Canada. At the time of the maiden voyage, Eva Hart was only seven years old. Despite being so young, Eva's memories of the tragedy never faded. She actually survived she survived the, um, the sinking. And it was her belief that a premonition by her mother, Esther, saved her life. She's quoted saying, My mother had a premonition from the very word go. She knew there was something to be afraid of. And the only thing that she felt strongly about was that to say a ship that was claimed to be unsinkable was flying in the face of God. Those were her words. In fact, Esther was so scared of the events that might unfold that she would sleep during the day to remain vigilant vigilant in her cabin at night. She heard a bump. The family had a chance to quickly escape, escape the ship. And however, Eva's father, Benjamin, refused to climb into a lifeboat to allow women and children to flee. And he gave his coat to his wife to keep his family warm. warm. So his... Uh, the father ended up dying, but they ended up surviving. And she th- claims that it's because of her mother's premonition of it. <clears throat> I mean, that in itself is, I mean, that is kind of weird. Um, I think that's one of the more like interesting ones out of the ones we've heard so far. Um, like, I don't know. I don't know about you, but like, have you ever had this like gut feeling about something that it's going to be not okay? You know, varying different yeah. Parts of my life, I've had that feeling, and it's just a weird feeling. I don't know. It's like almost like you know how they say like humans have more than one sense, or more than one sense, more than um, the five senses. Um, that there are actually many. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's almost like an instinctual yep. gut feeling, kind of like how like animals can sense when a storm is coming. You know, I think like you know, even from like a scientific standpoint like a scientific like guess i guess you could say yeah um not that i'm a scientist but um to be like well it would make sense that humans could have like some type of instinctual gut feeling when they know something is off you know so but there could also be that spiritual sense you know as well you know that people would would tend to lean towards as well but um i don't know i've i've had those feelings before have you yeah yeah i'll um once your stories are done, we talk about okay. it more. Yeah, I'll definitely share. Okay, <laughs> share all right, what all I right. have. Okay, I'm sure we've, me and you, have been in situations too. So, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. That's because we were new. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, all right. So next one. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Shepard served as a junior second assistant engineer aboard the RMS Titanic and reportedly had an unshakable fear about joining the liner on her maiden voyage. However, he had reasons to worry. He had been involved in a naval collision a year earlier. He was aboard the RMS Olympic in 1911 when she collided with the HMS Hawk, a British warship. 
His father was interview was interviewed by the Northern Daily Telegraph weeks after the fateful night and stated his son was down in the dumps, quote unquote, prior to the voyage. When he asked his son, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of death? Jonathan replied, no, I'm not afraid of death, but I don't want to go. His, his father also stated, my lad did not want to go on the Titanic, but he had to. Sadly, Jonathan lost his life during the sinking of the ship. So, yeah, again, this is one of those. I mean, he had, like I said, he had reasons to be kind of afraid, especially only a year before. I mean, I could imagine that would be that would shake you up. But again, that gut feeling thing, it's like almost like it's weird. Yeah. All right. Next one. Despite boarding RMS Titanic at Southampton before it set sail, Alex McKenzie, or McKenzie, I'm sorry, heard a voice that warned him he would lose his life if he remained aboard the liner. The 24-year-old was walking along the gangway when a voice in his head warned him not to travel on the vessel. However, when he looked around, there was no one present. Shaking off the warning, he continued to walk only to hear it for a second and then third time, with each warning sounding stronger than the last. It was then that he decided to abandon the voyage and return to his hometown of Glasgow, Scotland. Glasgow? Glasgow, Scotland. The young Scot had received either a second or third class ticket from his grandparents as he had wasted as he had wasted the expensive ticket. His family were less than pleased about his return. However, they were soon relieved at his decision when news of the disaster broke. That's a crazy one. Like the fact that he's having a voice in his head. That's. Yeah. 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 I don't think I've ever encountered that, but yeah, that's, that's an, very like if I had something like that, I'd be like, yeah, like what's going on with me? At the very least, I should get off this boat and get checked out. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah right. Shit, right now. Yeah, that's just. Yeah, that was one of the. That's one of the more. That's one of the stranger ones. Okay, so next one is a twenty-three-year-old John Coffey joined RMS Titanic at Southampton, and as he signed onto the vessel to serve as either a stoker or a boiler room fireman, which offered a salary of five pounds per month, whatever that translates to, despite being scheduled to complete a return crossing of the Atlantic, he chose to depart the liner during her stop at Queenstown, Ireland, which was his hometown. He stated many weeks later that he chose to leave the ill-fated ship as he experienced a strange foreboding feeling about the voyage. Despite his bold decision, Coffey continued with his maritime career, and he signed on to work on the RMS Maritania a few months after the Titanic's sinking. So again, one of those gut feeling decisions, and it's you 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 hear that more than one type of disaster too. Yeah, you don't hear that in just the Titanic. There are other disasters out there that you've heard that before. So it's definitely definitely interesting. Okay. Edith Rosenbaum, also known as Edith Russell, was a 33-year-old first-class passenger who was traveling on the RMS Titanic after reporting reporting on a fashion – 
of fashion at Paris's Easter Sunday races. While she st- while she st- nah while she did the state liner while she did the state liner was the most wonderful boat you could think of. She also posted a letter to her secretary from Queenstown, which read, "I'm going to take my very much needed rest on this trip, but I cannot get over my feeling of depression and premonition of trouble. How I wish it were over." After the ship struck an iceberg, Edith managed to escape in Lifeboat 11 with her small toy pig, and its music reportedly provided passengers with much comfort. She was safely rescued from the lifeboat four hours later and traveled extensively throughout her life, surviving various tornadoes, car accidents, and another shipwreck. (laughs) Jeez, talk about bad luck. I mean, maybe good luck. Yo, that's some final destination shit right there. Right? Like, it's still coming for her, man. Avoided the Titanic, then avoided a crash. Like, jeez. <laughs> and another shipwreck. And and another shipwreck on top of that. That's wild. Man. <laughs> okay. So here's oh my, my last God. story. <laughs> coming for her hot. Coming in hot. All right. So William T. Steed was an English newspaper editor who was traveling to New York via RMS Titanic to address a conference at the Carnegie Hall, which was at the request of President William Howard Taft. Despite joining the vessel as a first class passenger, Steed had seemingly predicted the ship's end many years earlier as he wrote a short piece of fiction called How the Atlantic Mail Steamer went down in 1886 and very similar to the the one in the beginning that we were talking about. So it was just another uh, writing. So, yeah. So what were your, your type of premonitions that you were going to bring uh, up? <laughs> where do I start? Um, they're all quick ones, but they kind of said stuff. And it's not just me. It's like uh, my family, friends, with friend situation. So, uh, one of them I had was my friend and I, my friend Dave and I were at a like high school basketball game. We're just, you know, observing. And, uh, there was a Uh 50, 50, right. I shit you not. Dave rattled off five Mm -hmm. numbers. Didn't have a ticket Didn't buy a ticket. Had, you know, nowhere near the stand. And not two seconds later when they announced it, (laughs) exactly. The numbers, and we looked at each other. I'm like, I was like "Dude, what the fuck did you just do?" He's like, uh... <laughs> "I mean, it wouldn't have helped him because he would have, yeah." He just conjured yeah. up something. <laughs> He's <just> like, <laughs> latched right on to the, the what the like the uh, what do I want to say? It's like he. I already saw what they were going, they were, they had it in their hand and he saw through their eyes kind of, you know what I mean? So he, that's where he got the information from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and then another time when I was with Dave, we were at a party and uh, we were allowed in, in a backyard and I looked at him and I'm like, Hey bud, I, uh, we should probably go. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay. We can stay. And not, Two minutes later, the cops show up. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> So I'm like, <laughs> I mean, we didn't get in trouble. It was just like, pour out all your alcohol and stuff. But it was, it was just the, 
he looked at me he goes i should have listened to you right right but you're just like mm, i yep. have a bad yep, feeling yep, yep. about this and uh yeah that was that's funny it was wild because he was like oh, i'm so sorry man i should have listened to you blah, blah, blah. i'm like eh, dude it's fine and, you know we it's whatever and uh so my aunt had like you know how they say you have three dreams in a row it comes true kind of thing or have you ever mm-hmm. heard that yeah. She dreamt about a person that came to her hair salon that never came into the hair salon before and she's never met before or never seen. Yeah. And like the third time she had that dream, the next day is when that person came in to get her hair done. Wow. Which is pretty wild. Premonition stuff is crazy, man. It's weird. Uh, it's it's definitely one of those topics that like don't don't know how to feel about it. Um, and there's a lot in this world that we don't know about anyway. So, like I said before, the kind of the point I made it before, we might have some other sense. I don't know. And I'd be uh, I'd be up to uh, you know, to believe in it. And you know, if science came came around and said, yeah, this stuff is actually true, then sweet. But yeah, I like to keep my mind open about it. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, I think that kind of does it for for this uh, kind of a, a little bit of a different different one. It was kind of more of like a history type of thing with the Titanic, but I thought that was kind of fun uh, to learn about that. Um, but yeah, do you have anything to add, Pat? I I had no idea that it was actually. Uh, there was a premonition of anything, like even a story written about something that happened about the Titanic. So that's even like 14 years before, like that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it really is. It's really kind of, yeah, it's, it, it definitely is very strange, very unique part of uh, history. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that uh, concludes everything there. Um uh, thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, if you uh, could be so kind to leave us some reviews, that'd be awesome. That helps us out so um, other people can learn about our podcast. Um, and also, if you want to uh, give us a follow, if you're not already, on TikTok and Instagram at Horror Time Podcast. We also have a page on um, Facebook. You can just look up Horror Time Podcast as well on there. Um, otherwise, we'll uh, catch you again in a couple of weeks. Um, what is our topic the next couple of weeks? It is... Here we go. Oh, the next one is the alien abduction of Travis Walton. <laughs> and me and Pat got a uh, fun little story to share about um, our encounter with extraterrestrials. Ooh, so you'll have to tune in next episode about that. So we've been excited to share that. I, one. I'll never so, forget that um, one. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh, man. Good times. Um, we didn't get abducted or probed or anything, but. I hope not. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I hope not either, but, you know, <clears throat> as far as we know, we did not. Um, but yeah, no, it's just an, it's just a fun story that we talk about from time mm-hmm. to time. But anyway, so yeah, we will catch you guys then. Um, so yeah, uh, s- stay spooky out there, horror fans. Um, we'll catch you later. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. <laughs>